the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. What is going on? That is a question that we're hearing more frequently these days as we look at the spread of violence from the streets to even the freeways of the San Francisco Bay Area, an uptick in violent crime, robberies, gang violence, leading many Bay Areans that have been here for a good time to ask the question, what is going on? Well, with some insights, we're joined by the author of the best-selling book, Successfully Raising Young Black Men, a companion book, Successfully Raising Grandchildren, and another book that seems to be almost predictive with many of the challenges we're facing today, How to Survive and Thrive in Times Like These in Two Volumes. Joining me is Reverend Dr. Kevin Barnes, Sr., Senior Pastor of the Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church with campuses in Vallejo, and in Oakland. And Bishop Barnes, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thank you also. We're certainly excited about uh, about being a part of this program. And there are so many things uh, that's going on right now. And um, we, we want uh, people to understand that the Lord can fix it, whatever it is, that he definitely could fix it. I know that I'm I'm raising <laughs> a jam-packed, loaded question in in sure. proposing the question, what is going on? But, you know, if we look at what's happening in the news these days, and it, it, seemingly not a day goes by that there's not gun violence on the streets, gun violence now on the freeways, armed robberies, it almost seems as if, particularly post-COVID, there's a degree of the fabric of our society that seems to be unraveling. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, Bishop Barnes, how much of it goes back to spiritual issues and, and perhaps even challenges that the family is facing? I mean, so often we have families these days that if there's two parents present, that's considered enormous benefit. Oftentimes, both parents right. are working, struggling to make right. ends meet. I just read a report the other day of the 10 most expensive cities in the entire nation. Fully five of them are right here in California, and we're probably not at all surprised to find out that number three on the list is the San Francisco Bay Area. I wonder how much of this, too, is contributory to ultimately what I've got to believe is at the core a spiritual problem. Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree that it is a spiritual problem. But one of the things that I think is happening, and as we see the violence, as we see all of the things going on in the Bay Area, especially, I think the problem is, is that of raising their sons and daughters. I think that's the biggest problem. Uh, there was a time that uh, people didn't allow uh, their children just to do anything. And I think that we're at a point now with all of the computers and all of the, the advances that we have in terms of those things, that people are allowing the kids to run them. I'm, in my book that I talk about successfully raising young black men, first of all, what you mentioned about the father has to be there. And uh, there's a difference between a daddy and a father. And uh, a daddy is the one that makes the baby, but the father is the one that stays there and take care of the baby. And I think right now we've just uh, running loose and not allowing uh, the spirituality part and raising our kids in church. One of the things that I tell people all the time is that you can't allow your kids to say whether I'm going to go to church. You got to take them, you follow what I'm saying, to church. You can't allow them to say, well, I'm going to stay home and I'm going to stay with my PlayStation or whatever else. The parent has to be a parent. And too many times the parent wants to be a friend rather than being a father. And a kid don't need a friend. They got friends at school. <laughs> they got friends everywhere else. They need a father to be there or a, a parent to be there to give them directions. And I think one of the biggest problems that is happening right now is that the parents are not, you know, raising their kids. 
uh, the way that they're supposed to raise it. And of course, the irony with that, and you talk about this in the book, that if you don't raise your kids, somebody will do it for you. And 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 I'm exactly. struck. There, there's a passage inside of successfully raising young black men when you talk about the importance of parents hugging their children. And you know what's interesting because if you if you drive through certain parts of San Francisco or Oakland or South San Jose, you'll often see groups of young men gathering on a corner and when they meet, they greet each other with a hug. And I'm wondering if maybe part of the lesson here that we really need to pay close attention to is the notion that if you're not a parent to your children, somebody else is going to raise them for you. And if if you can't provide the kind of God-structured family for them, it doesn't erase the need for that connection with family. It just means they're going to go and find it elsewhere. And maybe one of the big substitutes we're seeing today is if young men don't find that connectivity of family at home, they're going to find a sense of family connection out on the streets with gangs. Is that true? I, I would agree with you 100 uh, percent. Oftentimes I've went uh, and I've done uh, uh, conferences about it. We have a thing called It's a Man Thing. And that's one of the uh, big important parts that we deal with, with the fact that, watch this, is that that hug is so important. And uh, one of the reasons I believe that many young men join gangs is because they don't get that affection, that love, uh, that hug from the parents. And I, I have a saying in my book goes, uh, hugs will prevent thugs. You follow what I'm saying? It's because of the fact that if you don't hug them, then, you know, don't, what do you expect? What a hug does is that it lets them know that I'm here for you. It let them know that if you're falling, I will catch you. It let them know that, you know what I mean, that you have somebody that care about you. And if you ever see any gang members or any gang around, what the first thing that they do is they hug one another. And that is giving them the confidence to know that even if you can't handle it yourself, that you got somebody here. And that's what the parents have to get back to, back to hugging uh, their children. And uh, I, I use an example oftentimes uh, is that a hug really says that, Everything is going to be all right. And right now, with, with the COVID and with the economy, with all these other things that are going on, people don't think that it's going to be all right. And so they lose hope. And so the hope that they have is I tell them that we need a Jesus. We need Jesus. But sometimes we need Jesus with skin on him. Somebody that loves God so much that they don't mind putting their arms around somebody. And if you don't have a father around, when you look at the statistic, they say that 80 percent of the young men that are in prison grew up without a father. So now what we need is some surrogate fathers. We need some fathers in the church. We need some fathers uh, that that's not my kid. Listen, I tell people this all the time. One of my sons, uh, his name is Keith. He's a chef, Chef KB. He's doing great. He's making his own money. Uh, Never been in any trouble. I have another son named Kevin Jr. He's doing great. He's a music producer. I have another son uh, that's uh, working. Uh, You know, all of them have their own idea, uh, idea in ter- identity in terms of who they are. I was there for them. My wife and I have been married for 44 years. But now the key to it is that we were there for them, and we didn't become their friends. We became their parents. And, and what we tried to tell people all the time is that you can't be their friends. You have to be their parents. And one of the things that happens is is that just because my, my kids are doing okay, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not I'm not satisfied with that. I have very I have a lot of surrogate kids myself that I take care of, that I try to give direction. I'll give you this example. I went to AutoZone on yesterday and I went in there and uh, my son, the chef, is very well known, especially in the, in the Vallejo area. And so I went in and the young man says, uh, hey, pops, you look like you're doing pretty good. I said, yeah, man. I said, but there's a secret to it. He said, what is the, what, what is the secret? I said, do you know my son, Chef KB? He said, absolutely. I said, the secret to it is, is understanding and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And when you get that, all of the things are possible. You follow what I'm saying? But you have to start somewhere. He started smiling and he said, I can't wait to come and hear you preach that word. Because if you're preaching out here in AutoZone, you definitely have a word for us. And I think that what parents have to do is get these kids, man, get them back involved. Uh, we have a thing that's going on at both of our locations right now. We got to go get them. They cannot teach. They must be taught. They will not come. They have to be brought. You follow what I'm saying? 
And so this is what we're teaching our people, that we reach out and share the love of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to change this community. That's the only thing going to change the mindset. That's the only thing that's going to have others to love one another. Just because uh, you and I didn't grow up together doesn't mean that I don't love you. You follow what I'm saying? It's the love of Jesus Christ that comes out, that it was poured into me. Now I'm pouring it into others. And if we could get others to just stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to go get them. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go get them that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and there's a passage of scripture that I love to quote that just so nicely fits hand in glove with what you're what you're saying, Bishop Barnes, and that is this, that we are told to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. That's right. I think so often we kind of think, you know, the old hang out a shingle, they shall come mentality or parents that feel as if, well, I'll just be here. I'm here waiting on them. And I think that sense of being more engaged, whether it's engaged in the community, engaged in the church, engaged in your child's life is critically important because as you point out, there's that need and they're going to go wherever they can to get that need fulfilled. And sadly, you know, in the case of a lot of, a lot of kids these days, even in terms of, of human contact with their own parents, if it ever happens, it's only because Absolutely. it's at, at the receiving end of the swatch or the stick and never that that engagement with hugging to reassure a child that, yes, you're making a mistake. Yes, you need to be disciplined, but don't confuse discipline right. with not loving you. In fact, failure to discipline, I believe, sends a message to a child you don't care. And if they feel as if you don't care, that sends the signal to them that you don't love them. It's exactly right. Exactly right. I share this uh, with, with people all the time uh, as I go out and do these conferences and things of that nature. I share with them that there was an occasion that my uh, son, we had a rule at my house. And I think that you have to get back to having rules uh, in your house. Uh, parents have to have some type of rule. We have a rule in our house. And the rule that we grew up on is that everybody had to be home at midnight. I don't care where you're going. I don't care when you're going. 12 midnight, everybody, if you're living at our house and you're 47 years old, you still got to be there at 12 midnight. It's just a rule. uh, And I think that it really worked. But I remember the occasion, man, that my son, uh, my son, Kenneth, uh, he went out. He said, Pops, can I go to the basketball game? And I said, sure, you could be the basketball game. I said, but you know the rules. He said, he says, what's the rules? I said, you have to be back here at midnight. Well, he said, okay, 1148, he wasn't home. 11.53, he wasn't home. I was sitting in my chair. And you know that if you're over 50 years old, you have your own chair. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? The one that's pointing right to the door. So I, nobody sits in my chair. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Mine, right? And so uh, myself, as we were sitting in the chair, uh, it, it became 11.58, and he walks in the door. He's upset. He's, he's upset. He looks at me, and he turns his head, and he went upstairs to his room. He's 16 years old. He looked at me and he turned his head and he went upstairs. Well, when he did that, I just waited for a while. And his mom came down and his mom says, well, what are you going to do, uh, Kevin? He said, uh, he got in here on time. I said, yes, he did. I said, yes, he did. And I just waited a little while because you cannot discipline them while you're angry. You have to wait a while. And so what I did was around two o'clock in the morning as he was sleeping, I woke him up and I said, Kenneth, Kenneth. And he looked at me, he said, what, Pops, what, Pop? what, Pop? I said, let me share something with you. I said, let me share something with you. Don't you ever come in my house and not speak to me when you walk in. I don't care whether you like the rules or you don't like the rules. I said, matter of fact, give me this blanket. It's mine because you don't have a job. Give me the sheet. It's mine. And I took the sheet. And I said, matter of fact, the toilet paper that you wipe your butt with. It's mine. You follow what I'm saying? And until you can understand, this is a discipline that you're going to understand. You can, This is my house. It is not yours. And I think what happens, a lot of parents allow the kids to be ownership of their house. It's the parents. They don't even work. How can you make demands and you don't work? And uh, he understood it. And when my son had a kid, I see the same thing in his kid. He's disciplining him in the same way. And, of course, his kids haven't been in trouble. And I think that we got to get back to that discipline uh, our children and uh, let them know that with the discipline, just like you said, it's a love discipline. It's not a, it's not a hitting them. It's not, you know what I mean, uh, trying to bruise them. But it's a love thing. And if you don't, if you love your child, 
you will discipline them. And if you don't love them, you're going to let them do whatever you want. Because kids, they want somebody, father or mother, they want somebody to give them some discipline. Because if there's no discipline, they're going to do whatever they want to do, when they want to do it, how are you going to do it? And so I think we need to bring back discipline the way it's supposed to be. You know, the interesting thing in, in an analogy I think we can all relate to coming through this recent spat of storms that have wreaked so much havoc across the San Francisco Bay Area. And you've seen these huge trees falling on houses, destroying property, sometimes even killing people. Right. And in many right. cases, it's been interesting. The news has interviewed arborists and people that are that are in that, that field. And they've often said, well, part of the problem here is that the tree didn't grow in the right direction. It's lopsided. It's top heavy. It's not been pruned back. It hasn't been cared for. And, and so as a result, it kind of got out of control. And then when the big storm rolled through, wow. instead of standing strong, it just toppled right. over. Why? Because the roots aren't deep enough and the top hasn't been trimmed enough. And I, I think wow. back to that image of the, the, the pruning of the vine and how the Lord prunes each and every one of us. And I wonder, Bishop Barnes, in, in your opinion, is there is there a similarity here in terms of parents needed to take the time to, to prune their children, or, or more accurately put, to, to lovingly discipline them and train them up? I mean, the scene that you describe in your household when your son came in and kind of gave you shade on the way up to the bedroom, and your response yes. demonstrates that you cared enough to discipline him, not to hurt him, not to break right. his spirit, but to make sure that as he grows up, he's going to grow up straight and tall, not lopsided to one way or the other, wow. deep roots, so that then when the storms of life will eventually come, when he's a parent or later on in life, just because life happens to all of us, that he'll have right. the capacity to stand through those tests, those storms, those torments, and be able to survive and thrive. I agree. One, I agree 100 percent. And God loves us so much. That's why he disciplines us. Man. God, the father, he loves us and he disciplines us. We get out of line and he straightens things up. And oftentimes when I look at it, I look at uh, my sons, the three sons. And um, when I look at them, I, you have to show them the different uh, specters of things in terms of uh, all three of my sons. I never forget. And I give uh, par uh, parables. Or I give examples all the time that people would understand it. And I'll never forget, I, I took my sons to a, a Oakland Raiders game. Never forget, we got 50-yard line seats. I'll never forget it. Uh, they cost me probably about 300 and some dollars a piece. And uh, I didn't really have the money to do that, but I wanted to show them something. We were sitting right next to MC Hammer, can't, can't touch this. He was sitting right next to us. Really good seats. And uh, it was amazing. And my son said, Pops, you're you taking us to the, we had the game. And, they, uh, of course, it was a bad game because San Diego beat us 52 to nothing. It was a horrible <laughs> game. But nevertheless, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, Kevin, Kevin Winslow, I think he had five touchdowns. But anyway, uh, we we sit at this uh, uh, 50-yard line, man. And I was looking around, and I, and I, I thought about the humble beginnings that, that I've had in my life. And I thought about how God has been so good. Uh, to us, how my mother raised us on welfare and uh, and how she took care of us. But she always shared the scriptures with us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. She always had a word, uh, a timely word for our lives. But anyway, we went to the game and my sons enjoyed themselves. Money I didn't have, but I took them. I wanted them to see something that if you do what God says, there's nothing that can stop you from being successful. You could go to these games anytime you want to. If you do what the Lord says, but then I didn't know, just take them to the game. I also took them to a place in uh, in West Oakland where people were hungry because I wanted them to see that part as well. You follow what I'm saying that? Listen, it's, it's not just uh, it, you, you can't be so high that you forget about those. The only times that we're supposed to look down on somebody is if we're trying to help to pick them up because God don't love just you. God loves everybody. Bishop Barnes, as our time wraps up today, for folks eavesdropping today and saying, wow, I like this man's enthusiasm and his energy. 
and I got to get me some of that. Maybe they're new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a new church home. Tell us a bit about what God is doing in and through Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. And let me quickly mention uh, for folks here in Northern California, you have two campuses, one located on 33rd Street in the city of Oakland and the other on Sonoma Boulevard in Vallejo. Just take a minute and tell us a bit about what God is doing. Well, God is doing some great things at uh, our campus in Vallejo from 8 to 9. We don't be in church all day from 8 to 9, one hour, 551 Sonoma Boulevard. And what God is doing, uh, I, I never forget that I, I share with the Lord. I said, Lord, Lord, had me to open up a campus in Vallejo. And I said, God, I said, okay, if we're going to open up this campus, God, we're going to have to take care of it. You know what I mean? And he has throughout the years. And what we're doing there is sharing with the people early morning how great God is. And they're walking out of there. We do things for kids. We have a children's ministry in both campuses. We bring food to even the Vallejo campus. We're helping about three or four other churches with food. So God is doing a lot of things. Uh, it's a man thing. It's for our, uh, uh, it's one church, two locations. And so everything that we do in Oakland, Oakland is like the corporate church and we put it all together. Uh, we have a, a, a ministry, women's ministry. We have prayer at eight o'clock in the morning with the women and then we have prayer at eight o'clock on saturday mornings with the men on monday we have corporate prayer uh we have on wednesday at four o'clock uh wednesday motivation where we just motivate people uh online uh then at seven o'clock we have bible class uh online as well and uh it is just it's just um, amazing to see the people that contact us about the word of god and what they're doing in their lives and so we're excited about it. Uh, the other ministry that we have is each one reach one that we make sure that, that everybody you bring everybody that you can to the ministry, to church. You follow what I'm saying to hear what does said the Lord. You follow what I'm saying we have a dress code. The dress code is whatever you feel like wearing. You feel what I'm saying uh, it's no suits and ties and all of that kind of stuff. Um, whatever you want to wear, it doesn't matter. And I want to invite those that are listening right now. Come out. And uh, one young lady was there this past Sunday. And this lady says, I've never been to a service like that. You follow what I'm saying? Where we were really sharing them what the gospel of Jesus Christ, how much God loves them, how much God has a plan for their life. But not only do you have a plan, but you also have a purpose. Amen. And so we were sharing that with them. And it's just, it's, it's just amazing. 510-653-0315. 510-653-0315. More information about Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church, again with campuses in both Vallejo and Oakland, go online to abyssinianbaptist.wixsite.com. That's abyssinianbaptist.wixsite.com. Reverend Dr. Kevin Barnes Sr., thank you so much for your time today, Pastor. It's been a delight and a tremendous education. God bless you and God keep you, and we love you so much. Thank you very much. Now, you ever noticed that? One of the things that, that most of us, or shall I say all of us want, and that is something or someone that is real. Can I get a witness here today? I, I don't know about you, but, but I, I've gotten to the point in my life that I don't want nothing that's fake. I don't want, I don't want nothing that is unreal. I, I've gotten to that age in my life. Help me hear somebody. You've gotten to that age in your life that you don't have time for something nor someone that is not real. Are y'all listening to me here today? Because uh, let me tell you something, we live in a, in a world that, that constantly trying to show and share you things and make convince you of things that are not real. Can I get a witness here today? And, and, and I want to tell you that, listen to my people of God, uh, and I'm going to hurry here, but there's a major difference between that which is real and that which is unreal. Can I, can I talk to somebody here today? Uh, amen. Sometimes when you look at things that are real, things that are real will lift you up, but things that are not real will put you down. Things that are real, amen, will strengthen you. But things that are not real will cause you to be weak. Things that are real, amen, uh, amen, will give you courage to face whatever you are facing. But things that are unreal, amen, will make you scared and afraid. Things that are real, amen, uh, will give you joy. 
but things that are not real will give you sorrow. Now, things that are real, amen, uh, and will give you peace that passes all understanding. But things that are not real, amen, will cause nothing but a ball of confusion, amen. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I need some real stuff in my life. Can I get a witness here today? Uh, and, and that's why the songwriter says, are y'all here today? Uh, that's why the songwriter says, he says, Jesus is real. I know the Lord is real to me. Amen. Uh, because it's a personal thing that you have to know that the Lord is real to you. Can I get a witness here today? And so people of God, when we look at and examine the fact uh, of, uh, of our faith and whether or not uh, our faith is real, amen, uh, I don't know about you, uh, but there are times in my life uh, I just get tired of fake friends. A- am I talking to somebody here today? Anybody know that there are sometimes you have what is called some fake friends, they're not they're not real friends, amen. Uh, amen. Uh, can I talk to you about real friends for a minute? Uh, a, a real friend, amen, uh, will, watch this, uh, will not talk about you. Can I get a witness here today? All the time. Somebody ought to help me here today. Uh, real friends, uh, amen, will not put you down all the time, amen. Uh, real friends uh, will not want us engage in a conversation uh, with other people about you negatively, amen, uh, at any time. Uh, real friends, uh, you can count on them whether you up or whether you are down. Uh, real friends, amen, uh, you know that they got your back and they got your front. Uh, real friends, amen, uh, they would not, watch this, uh, they would not lie about you all the time. Can I get a witness to them? Real friends, amen, uh, will not take advantage of your kindness, uh, amen, uh, because you are kind. Real friends, amen, uh, will do everything that they can to try to lift you up and not try to drag you down. Uh, real friends, uh, amen, uh, will tell you whether you are right or whether you are wrong. Uh, they don't care how you feel about it. Uh, real friends uh, will say something nice about you and don't feel bad about it. Real friends uh, are not jealous of one another. They're always trying to help one another to be a better person. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I don't know about you. I, I don't need no fake friends. I, I need a real friend. <laughs> real friends uh, sometimes uh, are closer to you than your own relatives. Amen. That's why Jesus says, uh, I wish I had a witness. Uh, he's a friend uh, that's sticking closer than a brother. Can I get a witness here today? Amen. Because you can't, you can't count on fake friends. You can't count, you can't count on them, amen. And they, they will talk about you, not sometime, but all the time. Uh, and, and, and watch this, real friend, uh, fake friends will talk to others about you, and they will join in with them to talk about you. Can I get a witness here today? And so what we really need is some real friends. But then not only do we find out about real friends, y'all, but also, is this helping anybody here today? No. But also, amen, real, we're looking for real future. Everybody here is looking, everybody's watching on television, watching, they're looking for a real future. Amen. And watch this, this started out with your parents. Okay? You say, Reverend, how did this start out with your parents? Well, didn't your parents tell you to ask you a question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Can I get a witness here today? But your parents realized that you wasn't already grown. They, they, they realized that you still had some growing that you had to do. Somebody don't help me here. They realized that you wasn't all that you could be yet. They realized that there was some stuff, amen, that you had to go through, but with their direction that everything was going to be all right. But isn't that the same thing uh, with Christians, amen? God is saying the same thing to us, amen? God says, I, I realize that you're still growing. I realize that you haven't really grown to your potential yet. I realize that once this, uh, that every day you are growing, uh, you're growing in my grace, you're growing in my love, you're growing in my understanding, you're growing in my wisdom. Uh, you're growing in my, in my love. Can I get a witness here today? And, and I want to tell somebody, we're still growing. We're still growing. And, and the problem is, is that so many people think that they're already grown. 
Amen. And I tell people this all the time. How in the world are you grown? And I tell, I, I tell this to my son. How in the world are you grown and I still got to take care of you? If I have to still have to take care of you, you ain't growing. You are just an old child. Can I get a witness there? Are y'all listening to me today? Amen. Amen. But, but, but the future, and God has a real future for us, people of God. He has a real future for us and because we must realize that we're still growing through the pains. We're still growing because there are going to be times in our life we're still going to have struggles. We're still going to have strain. We're still going to have problems. We're still going to have pain. We're still going to have stuff that we got to go through in order to get us to where God wants us to go through. Look at somebody and say, it's a growing process. And then make a man say, what do you be when you, when you grow What do you want to be when you grow up? Can I get a witness here today? And so when we look at it, the real things, and I'm, I'm almost finished. He says, the real thing. But then not only, not only is it in our future, and not only uh, do we talk about it in that way, but also, listen to me, people of God, amen. I, I don't know about you, but, but I always want to have real love. Okay, y'all ain't saying nothing on this time. I'll walk over here. Yeah, I always want to have, have real love. Uh, amen, amen. I, 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 don't want, I don't want fake love. I, I, want, I, want, I want real love because real love, people are concerned about you, whether you're good or bad, happy, sad, up or down. They're just concerned about you because it's real love. When somebody really loves you, they love you with your fears, your faults, your failures, with everything that you are going through. They just love you. You feel what I'm saying? And the problem with many people, amen, uh, is that once this, uh, they tell you that they love God, which is an uh, 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 upward love, uh, amen, uh, but they don't have love outward to other people. God don't want us to just have love him without loving them. Uh, we got to make sure that we love them. Can I get a witness in the name? Uh, and so many times, uh, I love God. Well, if you love God, that means you love everybody else too. So, so real, real love, real love. Y'all didn't know, know I could step like that. Huh? Y'all didn't know I could step like that. And, and, and real love. And so, and so that's what God wanted. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God wanted us to know what real love is about. God said, man, listen, I, I love you so much. I love you just the way you are. He said, but, but, but I love you so much. I don't want you to stay the way you are. I want to be able to change you. But I accept you just where you are. And we've got to learn how to accept people, not how we want them to be, but how they are. And allow God to change. Are y'all listening to me here today? Amen. I told y'all I, I was going to hurry up today. So he says, what is, what is real faith? That's the sermon. I talked about the real future. Talked about real love. Amen. Real friends. But what is real, what is real faith? When he took set the text, now I, I, I can tell you who wrote it. It was about James. James is the one that wrote it. But I don't need to tell you everything about James. And the reason why I don't need to tell you everything about James because if you've been listening to any of my preaching in the last eight weeks, I told you everything about James. Amen? But if I had to tell you about James, I would tell you that he was Jesus' half-brother. I, I would tell you that, watch this, that at first he didn't believe, amen, until the ascension of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I, I would tell you that he grew up with Jesus, amen. Now, he was his half-brother, but I, I, I would, if I was going to talk about James, I would tell you that, once this, that he became the head of the church in Jerusalem. I, I would tell you without a shadow of a doubt about James, amen. Now, James was one, uh, amen, that was in the upper room, uh, help me hear somebody, uh, with the disciples, amen. James. And so James comes to you and I. James comes and James said, listen, let me tell y'all three things about this faith, about this real faith. He said, first of all, let me tell you something. He said, I got some questions about real faith. Second thing he says is that I got illustrations about real faith. And then he says, I got a challenge about real faith. You got that? He said, first of all, I got questions about real faith. Second thing he says is that I got illustrate. Are y'all here? Somebody say amen. About real faith. Then he says, third thing is, he says, got challenged. Let me show it to you in the text. Listen to in, in verse 14 that was so eloquently read by Deacon Andre. James come in and said, let me tell y'all something. Because you know James is a, a book of not just talk about it, but be about it. J James is a book, not, don't just say it, 
do it. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, amen. And James comes in verse 14 and he says, What do it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith, can faith save him? Now watch this if you will. I want to give this to you because I want to make sure that you get it. It seems as though that James is saying that with my faith, I got to add something else to it in order to be saved. It seems like James is saying, uh, it's contradicting what Paul told us in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in Romans chapter 3, verse number 28, when he says that we are justified, justified by faith. But I want to tell you that, watch this, uh, we are saved by faith alone. Let me get that right. I want to make sure that those that are listening, that they understand that uh, we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Amen. But now, what is the contradiction or what is the, what is they trying to portray it to be a contradiction? He says, well, let me tell you something. James comes up with a question. He said, what does it profit a man? Because what Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about our faith. Watch this. Um, uh, before we are converted. I want to make sure you get it. Before you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, before you have uh, believed the death, burial, and resurrection, Paul is coming in uh, before your conversion. Uh, I know you have changed, uh, but he's coming in uh, and he says that, watch this, uh, all it takes uh, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and believe what he did. He said, now that's your salvation. But he and James was not in contradiction because what James was talking about, James says, okay, you are saved. That's fine. But your salvation after you are saved ought to have some works after it. James was talking about, watch this, faith after you've been converted. And I want to talk to somebody here today. That's the real faith that we are talking about now. Now, what you going to do since you have been saved? And the problem is, is that too many of us, when we are saved, we think that that's it. I don't have to witness anymore. I don't have to love anymore. I don't have to do anything more because I am saved. But James comes uh, with a rhetorical question. Uh, and a rhetorical question uh, is a question uh, that demands uh, an effect. And James come in, man. James said, let me tell y'all something. He said, if you really say, if you got real faith, then you ain't going to just talk about it. You're going to be about it. <laughs> he said, you're going you're gonna to be about it. You ain't going to just talk about, I, I got faith. Amen. Because what determines uh, whether or not you are, have real faith and that you are converted? You ever thought about that? What, what is it that, 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 that really determines? I wish I had some help over here today. That determines uh, what, that you are saved, that you have been converted about your faith. Well, first of all, it ain't about what other people think about you. Can I get a witness? Let me say that again. It ain't, nobody, it ain't about what other people think about you. And the problem is, is that too many people are so concerned about what everybody else think about them. Uh, and, and watch this. Uh, they're missing uh, the mark because of the fact, uh, if I'm so concerned about what you think about me, uh, amen, uh, you might think I'm good. You might think I'm bad. You might think I'm happy. You might think about it. And what that is, uh, is that, watch this. Uh, most people want to walk around with this image. I am a Christian. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. That's why some people came in here now, in the day, and I said it earlier. They're going through pure hell right now, but they got to smile. They got to tell everybody everything all right. Because we have this image, listen to me, people of God, of what people have messed us up and have told us what Christianity is like. And so we try to keep up this image. Are you with me here today? But my, my problem with image, uh, what happens to the image uh, when you fall? Uh, what happens to the image uh, when you falter? Uh, what happens to the image uh, when you crash down? Uh, what happens to the image uh, when you're disappointed? Uh, what happens to the image uh, when you're discouraged? Uh, what happens to the image uh, when you feel bad? What happens to the image uh, when you feel crazy? What happens to the image uh, when you lost your mind? Now, what happens to the image dead? What happens to the image uh, when you, Christian, want to cuss somebody out? What happens to the image uh, when you want to tell somebody like a T.I.? Yeah. What happened to the image dead? What happened to the image dead? Are you really, are you listening to me today? We lose the image then. 
And that's what God wants us to do. That's why I watch this. Uh, somebody say, well, well Reverend, you don't, you don't wear suits all the time to church. It's hot. I don't feel like it. Because truth to the matter, if you look good, you look good in jeans just like you look good in a suit. Whoop, there it is. But they want you to have this, this image. Yeah, they want you, to, want you to walk around with this image. You know, I, 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 I met a guy the other day, and we was out having coffee. Kev, I called you on it, remember that? It was, called, it was on out there, right? And so the dude said, man, I, was, I was getting out my car because I was going to get my Starbucks, you know, that expensive coffee that you almost need three jobs just to pay for it. Oh, amen. So I got me a little medium caramel latte. That's what I like. I like me a medium caramel latte because I, I don't know why, but it's cool. And I go in there and I go to the same place all the time because they treat me pretty good. So I go to the place. So anyway, I was getting out of my car. And when I was getting out of my car, this guy, uh, this guy, he was sitting with his lady, his girlfriend or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, right, this boo, I don't have no idea. I, don't, I didn't ask him. It wasn't none of my business. So he's sitting there. So I get out of the car. He say, man. You, man, I was looking at you because you look like my cousin. I said, really? I said, is your cousin good looking, bro? He said, yeah. I said, I might be your cousin. Hey, cuz. What's going on? But I began to witness to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You feel what I'm saying? And, and what I'm saying is that what if I'd have got out of the car uh, and he says, you look like my cousin. I'm Dr. Kevin Barnes, Bishop Barnes of One Church, Two Location. Don't you know who I am? That guy would look at me, Negro, please. <laughs> well, I didn't try to throw no image out there, Ken. We sit there and we started laughing. Come to find out, they know, he know, the dude know Kevin. I said, he said, he said man, yeah, he said, I said, Abyssinian. He said, man, this dude, Kevin, talk about Abyssinian all the time. I said, yeah, dude, that's the place you ought to be, man. And I, and I said, I'll tell you what, we're going to get him on the phone. So we got Kevin on the phone. There's a guy he hadn't seen in, in years. You know what I'm saying? But my whole point is, I didn't try to come out there with that image. You follow what I'm saying? If I walked up to this cat and said, you know what I mean, how dare you ask me if you're your cousin? I'm Dr. Barnes. Don't you know who I am? And that's the problem, is that a lot of times people are so worried about their image, they don't have an impact. But I know another man by the name of Peter. He had a bad image. Uh, he walked on the water and almost drowned. Uh, amen. He denied the Lord. But he preached one sermon uh, and 3,000 souls came up uh, because he wasn't concerned about his image. Uh, he was concerned about his impact. I want to be concerned uh, about my impact. I don't care what you think about me. That doesn't matter. I want to have an impact. Look at somebody and tell them, say, baby, you ought to have an impact. I'll tell what you think about me. And then here it is real quick. Uh, not only what other people think about us, but sometimes what you think about yourself will mess you up because some people, some people, you know what? I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now. Listen, you don't think you're good enough. You don't think, you don't think, I ain't good enough. I, I, I can't open that business. I, I, I can't do this. Stop using can't. You know, I can't be successful. I can't, I can't. Poor old me, I can't. Please. Man, listen. I'm going to give you the secret. I'm going to give you the secret to success. Y'all ready for it? Let's try that one more again. We on Facebook, y'all. Y'all ready for it? Ooh, that sounds good. One more time. Y'all ready for it? Here's the secret to success. Give it to you. Write this down. Here's the secret to, to, to success. Here it is. Here's the secret to success. When you get up in the morning and God watched over you all night long, you got another chance just like everybody else. Don't you let those people fool you like you don't have a chance. You got a chance just like every other time, Dick or Harry. What if God allow you to wake up on the next day? You got 24 hours just like everybody else. Uh, and uh, you got so many minutes just like everybody else.
Come on. Hey, can I get a witness here today? But whatever you do, don't get locked up, baby, on your image. Make sure you have an impact. Because Peter wasn't worried about his image. He was worried about impact. I don't care what nobody think about me. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is God still using us for his impact? And because if he's using you for an impact, that's worth a hell of a lot more than what everybody think about you. Amen. Let me get to this second one real quick, and we're going to go, because I know some of y'all ready to go. Y'all got y'all beer and stuff already on ice and stuff. I'm just being real true. Yeah. You already got your beer on ice and stuff like that. Oh, uh, you, already, you already went to the cannabis, whatever. Uh, oh, I, I see some of these religious people that he shouldn't be saying that. You, shut up. When you preach, you say what you want to say. But let me, let me give this to y'all. I'm, I'm going to cut it off, but let me give this to y'all because we're going to get ready to go. Listen. He comes back and not only does he give us question, rhetorical question, but he comes back saying, and also, because Sam, you're looking at me, I'm going to talk to you. But also, Sam, he comes back and he gives us an illustration. Look at verse 15, 15 real quickly, all right? He says, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute or daily food, and one of you say unto him, depart in peace, be ye warm and feel, notwithstanding, we give them uh, not those things which are needful to the body, what do it profit? Now, James, come back again. James said, hey, listen, let me give you an illustration. You want to talk about you got real faith? You want to talk about you got real faith? He said, he said, let me tell you something. Here it is. He's saying that if a brother or a sister, now watch this. That's not just no any ordinary brother or sister. Because when he talk about brothers and sisters, he's talking about those that are in the same ministry with you. He's, ta- <laughs> he's talking about your Christian brothers and sisters. He's talking about, watch that, the one that you sing in the, in, in the praise team with. He's talking about the ones that, that, that's, that, that you're still deacon with, the ones that you worship with, the ones that you praise God with, the ones that you come into the house with, the ones that you're in Bible class with, the ones that you're in empowerment with. He's talking about the ones that you are in those. He said, that's the ones I'm talking about. He said, if you got a brother or a sister that is naked, don't have any clothes to put on. He said, don't be talking about uh, uh, be warm. I'm going to be warm and I ain't got no clothes. Uh, then he says, be filled. How I'm going to be filled. You already know I ain't got nothing. Can I get a witness of that? You see where I'm staying? You see that I'm homeless? You see that I don't have a, a place to lay my head? And you're going to tell me, Brother Christian, that be warm? You're going to tell me, hey man, no, peace be with you. How am I going to have peace and I don't have nothing to put on? I ain't got no clothes. I ain't got nothing to put on. I'm a, but, but we got some Christians, watch this. They have their Gucci, their Louis Vuitton. Somebody will help me here. The Steve Madden, I'm going to call yours in a minute. Old Navy, whatever you want to call it. Amen, because Old Navy have a sale. They got a big sale. Y'all need to go there because I think they're closing. They got a real sale, but y'all need to go to Old Navy. Over there, you get some jeans. I'm saying real cheap, man. And if, and if Old Navy can't hit you, go to DD's. DD has somebody. I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. I just thought, go to DD's because DD's, you get, you get, let me tell you something. You get four pairs of jeans, two shirts, four pairs of jeans, three shirts, amen, a blouse, amen. And watch this, uh, uh, you get your car wash free, and, um, and you can get, uh, what's this, uh, <laughs> and you can get a hamper, and you get all those things, uh, and you only spend about $17. Oh. <laughs> So don't tell me you can't buy somebody some clothes. You buy some, somebody needs some clothes, you buy some clothes. Amen. I just told you where to go. Let's say amen. Now, if you see me in there, leave me alone because I'm trying to get the deals too. Amen. Amen. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet, but I'm going to be patient with you because God ain't through with you yet either. Are y'all here? So, 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 so James come in, man, and James said, and I'm finished, man. James come in, James said, let me tell you something. He said, man. If a brother ain't got nothing and you got something, 
Matter of fact, in 1 John, he tells us, uh, amen, we got to be careful because, watch this, we got we to, don't love just in, in word or talk, but love in deed. In other words, amen. But now, watch this. He's not talking about the people that don't want to work. Because he also told us, you don't work, you don't eat. Amen. And if you don't want to do nothing, then you got a right for your stomach to talk to you. But there are times that sometimes we go through things. Amen. And we need, we need a little help. Amen. And we shouldn't have to go, amen, outside of my family to get the help that I need. Am I talking to somebody? So James is saying that, man, you see somebody hungry, man, don't, don't, don't come telling me that, you know, and you, here you are, here you are eating steak, ribeye, and uh, caviar, you eating all of that stuff, and I can't even get me a burger. And you got the means for me to get a burger, but you won't give it to me. How can you say that that's faith? How can, that, how can one say that that's real faith? That's not real faith if you're not willing to try to help other people. Amen. Haven't you noticed that we got a lot of people that are hurting? Amen. That's one of the reasons why I share with them that, that give out the food on Thursday, that we would give out some on Sunday, because I realized that, watch this, sometimes the hurt is not always on the outside. Sometimes we got people hurting on the inside. And that's real faith. And I, I, had, I, had, I had another story I was going to tell y'all, but, but it's getting late, and I know it got late. But I'll tell it to you anyway. Uh, he's, so, he's so crazy. I know that. Because too many times, guess what? We, we complain too much. We complain about where we live. We complain about where we drive. If you're driving a hoop, then, man, all you do is just put gas in that bad boy and, oh, and ride it. You feel what I'm saying? Who cares if it's a hoop day, man? I was giving my partner a ride yesterday. We went to lunch after the memorial. And he said, uh, he said, man, uh, he said, Cam, man, your car dirty. I said, well, you sitting in there, clean up that side. It ain't dirty where I'm sitting. Hey, man. And I will stop worrying about how, how dirty my car is. You riding in my, you, hello, that's my car. And watch this there. If my dirt don't bother me, why should my dirt bother you? I tell you what, walk where you're going. <laughs> you arrive with me, you lot of my, my wife say all the time, you don't know what you're gonna find in my car I, because I'm not throwing no trash out coming from Vallejo. That's a five hundred dollar fine, so I keep it right there on the floor until I can get somewhere. Now, what was I talking about? My story. I feel pretty good here today. Uh, real faith. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to tell y'all the story. I'm not going to tell y'all the story. I'm going to close the book about not complaining. But there was a story about this lady that uh, she went into Macy's. She went into Macy's and then she went to Macy's. Uh, it might have been Macy's. It might have been Nostrum. might have been Saks. I'm not sure. But she went. She went in. And, and uh, when she went in the store, she heard the sirens going off. So she stopped. And as she began to stop, uh, amen, the executive that was there came up to her and said, congratulations, ma'am. Told you about complaining too much. He said, congratulations. He says, she said, what do you congratulate me for? You are our million customer. And they went out. They got a big television set. They put a corsage on her. Uh, amen. Gave her a dozen rolls. And she was just smiling, smiling, smiling. He said, but ma'am, let us ask you a question. What were you coming into the store for? She said, I was coming to the complaint department. She said, I was coming in because y'all ain't doing what y'all supposed to be doing. Y'all that, that, that. The man said, you know what, lady? You wasn't a million. You almost was a million. They took the gifts back from her and gave it to somebody else because she complained too much. Amen? If something ain't right, try to fix it. Don't complain so much. God has been good to us. Anybody know that he's been good to us? I say, anybody know that he's been good to us? That's what real faith is all about. Real faith is, I ain't got it now, but I'm going, 
I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get what he has for me. Now, real faith is, uh, even though I'm broke right now, now tomorrow I got another chance, uh, just like everybody else. Um, now I got 24 hours, uh, just like everybody else, uh, and because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who hung, uh, bled, died, rose again from the grave with all power in His hand, now I'm happy that it. Uh, am I talking to somebody here today? real faith and that's the challenge that he gave to us he says that your faith and your works is inseparable you feel what I'm saying don't tell me you have faith and you don't want to do nothing and you don't want to and you want to try to witness to other people and talk about I got faith in God huh when you got faith in God, you also want to try to reach people for Christ. When you have faith in God, you want to show people what real love is all about. You want people to say, ah, that's what a Christian is like. You mean to tell me that's what a Christian is like? Yeah, they know you're done you wrong. You're saying, God bless you. <laughs> they know they can't stand you. They can't stand you, what you're saying. You know, great is he that's in me than he that's in the world. They don't like you because you don't, because the way you look, amen, and stuff like that. You say, oh, well, God made me the way that I am. And you're not going to make me feel bad the way I look. You're not going to make me feel bad the way that I look. Amen. And nowadays, watch this. You can look however you want to look nowadays. Throw a little wig on and go on my But here's the challenge. Man, am I going to take Jesus with me? Or am I going to try to handle it all by myself? He's looking for somebody. You see, many of us have tried everything that we could try. And only to fall right back on our face. But if you're here today. And you say, man, you know what? I want to. I want to accept this Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Keith, you got to keep me going, baby. Anybody here want to be a part of this ministry, just raise your hand. You can try it your way. It ain't working. It ain't happening. What about just trusting God? If you're here today, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And even if you don't, that's okay. Ain't nobody tripping. Not tripping. We just offer it to you. And if you're here today, check this out. Today is your day. Those that are online, today is your day. Man, I want something real. Man, you find out fake friends, you find out all of those stuff ain't real. But Jesus is real. And we offer him to you today. All right. We see we have none here. Maybe we have somebody online. If you're online, give us a call. 510-653-0315. That number again, 510-653-0315. Let the church say amen. Come on, can we give God a crazy, a crazy praise real quick? Come on, can, can we give God, just, just give him a crazy praise, amen. Just for about 20 seconds, just give him a crazy praise, amen. Come on, let's make some noise and just give him a crazy praise right now. So God, I thank you right now. I thank you for this word today, God. God, I thank you that that word did not go out void, God, that it changed my life. Hallelujah. 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 Reverend Kevin Barnes, Sr., Senior Pastor of the Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website 
and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.